Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, probably presented by the New York Post. Next up, we have three-time NBA champion and Miami Heat legend, Dwayne Wade. His new photo memoir, Dwayne, is in stores right now. Coming up, I'll talk to D. Wade about growing up outside of Chicago, being a family man, and the importance of documenting those special moments in life. Up next, Dwayne Wade. Let's go. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Download the podcast, leave a five-star rating, What's your favorite theme? This week's theme is memory lane. I want to talk about the importance of being present and appreciating the now. As people, it's just habit. We tend to talk about the good old days. But what you don't realize is that these are the good old days. Mm. Are you dropping what I'm putting down? Right now, you're alive and you'll never have this day again. By the way, Me neither. Your kids won't be this age next year. You'll never know the value of the moment until it becomes a memory. You don't have to post them all on social media, but make sure you're taking time to document everything. Yeah, you're going to do it mentally, but write down your thoughts and feelings so you can look back on them and see how you've grown. Like Ali, sometimes we got to fight best with our backs against the ropes. Make sure you take pictures and videos with your elders. Please believe me, I've had a couple of tough years. I went from being the person in the friend group that was able to boast about rarely going to funerals. And then all of a sudden, I lost four important members of my family overnight, seeming like. And as the holiday approaches, make sure you honor your memories and make room for new ones. My next guest knows all about that. NBA legend Dwayne Wade has a photo memoir in stores right now called Dwayne, which is a visual look at his life and career. Coming up, I talked to Dwayne about growing up outside of Chicago, being a family man, and the importance of documenting those special moments in life. Up next, Dwayne Wade. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. My next guest is a Hall of Famer, three-time champion, 13-time NBA All-Star. Miami's everything, by the way. It's called Wayne County. All-time leader in points, games, assists, and steals a gold medalist, a businessman, a husband, a father, and you can find his new photo memoir, Dwayne, in stores now. It's my honor to welcome my brother, Dwayne Wade, to the show. Man, man, your intros, man, oh, they special, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, man. I Thank got you. your back, brother. It's only right. You deserve it. 
Um, absolutely. You know, I know your journey, but I want to familiarize your journey with a lot of people who may not know. So you grew up just outside of Chicago, the Windy City. And when did you know that you wanted to play basketball? Man, um, it, at a very young age, my dad put the ball in my hand, right? I was five years old, Jay, and my dad kind of shoved the ball in my hand. And I didn't I didn't know nothing about basketball. I really didn't like it. And so I, my love for the game started just going every Sunday to the park with my father. Him and his guys would get together. They have like, everybody would bring some food. We have a little barbecue and they'll hoop against each other every Sunday at, at a different parks around Chicago. And I started falling in love with the fellowship. I started falling in love with the camaraderie that I saw my dad and his friends having. And that 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 like brought me to the game. And then I grew up in Chicago in the prime, in the moment of Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen and the Bulls. And I couldn't do nothing but fall in love with basketball even more. So you got a chance growing up there to see the GOAT win all of his championships along with Scotty, as you mentioned, and fall in love with the game. But outside of sports, what made you tick as a youngster? What was it like for you in elementary school and middle school? Man, I was uh, I was very quiet. I was very to myself. Um, I always sat back and like observed people. I always watched people um, just to try to understand people because I grew up in a small community. I didn't, you know, and going to school, you go to school with people from different communities and moving around like I did, you go to school with people from different cultures. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't someone who liked to talk or ask questions, so I would just listen. And so very shy kid. If you ask anybody that know me from back then, they'll be like, it's no way that this guy is the guy that he is today because he didn't he, he didn't say much. Mm. <laughs> you ended up going to Marquette, but there had to be clearly periods of time when you were in high school when you felt yourself. Forget the rest of the world. I had this moment where I like, I got game. When did you realize <laughs> I got game? And when did you start telling yourself you was going to the league? Man, <laughs> you know what? Um, I, I had a bigger brother, Jalen, and my bigger brother was two years older than me. And having a, you know, having somebody older than you that's good at the game, you want to be better than them. And I remember when my brother came back from college. He went to junior college. He came back my junior season in high school. And for me, I, this was the biggest moment of my life at that point because I had to show my big brother that little bro grew up. And, man, I must have had like 34. Mm -hmm. I probably had like 15 mm -hmm. rebounds, like tennis. Like I had a crazy stat mm -hmm. line, and I was dunking on people. And I just remember my brother looking at me and standing up, and he gave me that love. And so mm -hmm. at that moment, I knew that I had something a little different. I knew that I can go to some level. Uh, it was like an out of body experience, and I was like, "Man, I never, I never felt that before. Let me, let me get that again." And I just knew that the work that I put in over mm -hmm. the summer gave me the confidence to go out there and do that. So for me, it was just like if I work, if I work, if I work, and not once my head come up, man, I mess around and have an opportunity to play in the NBA one day. So I believed, you know, probably when nobody else did. And you did make it to the NBA. You were selected fifth in the 2003 draft by the Miami Heat. Now, I'm a Detroit Pistons fan. And so let me get this right. There was an NBA draft that took place. They had LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, 
and Chris Bosh. And my team ended up with Darko. Now, I'm glad that he got a chance to play 10-plus years and make the money that he made. But tell me, is there ever a time when you guys are sitting around and y'all thinking about how that journey could have been different if the Pistons had picked different? Uh, no, we, we haven't really had that conversation. You know, uh, I just re I remember, though, I remember going to Denver to, to work out. And Kiki Vandeway was a GM at the time. And I remember after my workout, I remember asking Kiki, like, yo, why am I here? Like, y'all taking Melo. And I remember Kiki saying, mm -hmm. well, if Detroit takes Melo, then we got to think differently. And so at that point, I was like, oh, man, they, like, they think I'm like a top three pick. <laughs> I had no idea. But like Darko right. came out of nowhere and we understood, I guess, as kids, like, man, we haven't seen this skill set. Like we knew that the skill set that he was bringing was like, wow, we haven't seen that. But at the same time, we knew that guys over here was already proven. And so it was a surprise to all of us that he was picked so high because we never seen him. It's not like today you could see all the players mm -hmm. across the world. And so that was the shock of it all. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about his skills because he had them. Agree. And Brown was pulling up in the Hummer doing work, balling on ESPN. You was getting triple doubles at Marquette. Mello won the national championship. And, and Bosch was balling at Georgia Tech. And so yeah. I must ask you, and shout to CP3, first guy in the history of the league with 20,000 points and 10,000 assists. I have to ask you, please tell me the origin of the famous banana bowl pitcher. <laughs> So it's kind of <laughs> similar to this. You know that famous photo that Brown and I have with my arms out like this and he's dunking? And everybody thinks that, mm -hmm. that that's a lob. At Milwaukee, that's yeah. old. At Milwaukee, right? But everybody thinks that that's a lob. And I, and I tell everybody, that was a bounce pass. But no, it doesn't matter how many times I said mm -hmm. everybody believes it was an alley, right? And so take mm -hmm. the banana boat. My wife was on a banana boat. Carmelo was never on the banana boat. And we are the Banana Boat crew. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, it don't make sense. But it ended up being one of those classic viral pictures. But it also highlighted the love you guys have for each other. And another thing you guys did, each of you that I named, is the the S the ESPYs. Mm -hmm. That was epic for me because I was there. Can you recall, like, not only being a professional athlete and an entrepreneur and a leader in your community, but deciding and you all deciding that we weren't going to just shut up and dribble? Yeah, man. Uh, Jalen, that was a very, very important moment for our brotherhood. You know, we've always talked about this brotherhood and, you know, it's always been cool to write about. But. What are we going to do with this brotherhood? What, would, what are we going to do with this collective power or this collective reach of our voices? And that was a moment for us where we was like, it's time. You know, Melo had put out a post around that time that was very impactful, um, inspirational and inspiring. And we all got on the phone and we talked about what, what we were going to do. And the ESPYs was coming up and we knew that they wanted all of us to be there. And so with our teams, we sat down and decided that you know what, we're going to use this moment, this platform to speak to the athletes and everybody around the world that's listening uh, about what's going on in our in our country. And so uh, that was a powerful moment for us, one of probably one of the dopest moments um, that we will all ever have individually and collectively.
what is it like for you when what's the how do you feel when you hear this term wade county uh i mean i'm honored i'm honored man like you you guys everyone heard my heard my story a million times i got i got a similar story to a lot of young black kids in this world and you never thought that you would go someplace and be adopt and they would adopt you as their own and they would they would give you a name to a county right and it fits like mm-hmm. Dade county turns to mm-hmm. wade county like it's just mm-hmm. crazy so for me i always try to show love and respect to miami dade county aka slash wade county because man they like they they raised me, they protected me, they covered me, you know, they let me make mistakes and they, you know, they they cheer me when I made mistakes or they they lift me up when I made them and they cheer me when I when I when I've had success in that city. Um and so I love them, man, and I appreciate them just giving me that nod. That's just respect. Your first championship in Miami was the year I retired, and I remember covering it, and it was all white everything. And you had a, a historic NBA finals performance what was that like for you knowing how much you loved michael jordan growing up you're one of the greatest shooting guards to ever play the game and you know great players like yourself are defined by championships in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. so what was that period and that playoff run and then that nba finals like for you as you look back at it yeah um in our era you know it was if you don't win championships, you're not great. And it was nothing else. That's just the way that the media, that's the way it was portrayed. And so once I got there, if I, I knew if I wanted to be on Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan level, I had to be considered a champion, simply put. Mm-hmm. They don't tell you how you have to be. They just say you have to be. <laughs> and when I got my opportunity at 24 years old, my third year in the NBA, mm-hmm. with one of the most dominant centers to ever play the game, I knew that mm-hmm. – this was my chance and I couldn't have let this opportunity sl- you know, slide by. And at that point in the season, the team had already gave me, the, like they gave me the ball. GP gave me the ball. Mm-hmm. J-, J Will gave me the ball. James Posey gave me the ball. Antoine Walker gave, they, they was like young fella. Mm-hmm. Alonzo was like young fella, we gonna follow you. So the confidence that I, I had um, was out of this world. I never had that much confidence in my life. And I was on the biggest stage of my life with the most confidence. And I had big Shaq behind me. So. I mean, I felt like it was nothing I could I could not do. And it was amazing to be able to finally complete something that's been a dream, you know, your whole life. I've seen Jordan and Scotty and the Bulls in the locker room with the champagne. Mm-hmm. And I want some of that. And I finally got a chance right. to do it, bro. It's crazy. Pat Riley, an NBA icon, former player, champion with the Lakers. He's um, champion with the Miami Heat. He helped author what I call the Miami Mafia. <laughs> the Heat culture, along with Eric Spolstra and yourself and Alonzo Mourning and UD. Can you explain that what that means? Because that's not just an NBA team. Like, y'all not just showing up. That's a family. So can you acknowledge what was that like to be a part of that group? Man, you know what, Jalen? I'm, I'm still learning, and I've been retired for three years, and I'm still learning what it – what it means to be a part of a family. And sometimes when you hear the word family, you'd be like, oh, okay, we family, but y'all not doing this for me or y'all not doing that for me. And then you realize, no, my family, we have issues. We have arguments. Mm-hmm. We may not talk for five years mm-hmm. and then we have a moment where we, <laughs> and so we are a family, yep. you know? And mm-hmm. 
I I feel that the when we came in, when you did and I came in, it was a president, it was a presidency that was already set, that Pat Riley said that these are the standards. If you want to be here, if you want to win, these are the standards that you live by. And so we followed the standards that was laid by Alonzo Mourning, that was laid by, you know, Tim Hardaway, that was laid by the greats before us, the Brian Grants that was there, the Eddie Jones that was there. Mm-hmm. UD and I followed the same format because first of all, we were scared as we were scared as hell of Riley. <laughs> you know what I mean? But we so just being at that point of of, of following that and seeing that that led to success. We became the bearers of that. We became the ones that understood that this is the culture and we got to pass this down to the next gen and the next gen. And so you see that still going. UD is still passing down what we learned mm-hmm. in the culture about what family is. And family ain't, like I said, family ain't perfect. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Miami is going to demand a lot of you and a lot out of you. And it's going to take mm-hmm. a lot to be there mentally mm-hmm. and physically. But at the end of the day, we all walk mm-hmm. away with moments that is all going to last us a lifetime because we all bought into, you know, standards. Have you ever thought about one of my biggest what ifs in the history of the NBA is what if LeBron would have stayed in Miami? How many championships do you think you guys could have actually won? I don't know. I don't know. That uh, that Golden State team was right on our heels. <laughs> I, I I really don't know. Like, I wasn't in my prime anymore. You know, I I was outside of my prime about 2014, and so that would have made it hard for us to really win if I was still going to be a big part of it. You know, Chris Bosh, you know, not knowing what he was going to be dealing with later, he was in his prime and LeBron was in his, but I wasn't in mine anymore, and it would have made it tough to keep going. So I really really had to, you know find health in a big way very quickly to keep competing at that level and because my body was going through so much so i felt like it ended when it should have Jalen. i felt like we had an amazing run we had an amazing college experience and i feel like that four years was all we needed and we accomplished you know obviously what we accomplished but i think it was enough and you mentioned family We can't go too far without mentioning your better half, your wife, Gabrielle Union, one of my favorite power couples ever. She was gracious enough to also join the show. I appreciate not only do you guys as public figures live live good, bad, and and sad days like you just mentioned. Y'all don't always try to appear perfect. How, How are you able to maintain that? Because you and I know, like who we see on social media and what people say versus when the camera's off are vastly different. I like how you guys try to mirror who you are off camera on camera. How did you guys get to that level of confidence um, as a family and as a, as a union? Man, it's, it's a day-to-day thing, man. You know, we, we are all trying to figure it out. Everybody. From day to day, mm-hmm. it's challenges yep. in this world, um, you know, individually uh, to loved ones, you know, to, to our entire country, right? It's challenges all around the world. And every day we're all trying to figure it out. And so I think the one thing that my family and I have tried to do throughout our, you know, uh, you know, last 13 to 15 years together is allow space for mistakes, allow space for mm-hmm. growth, understand that we are imperfectly perfect. 
Um, and we're a team. And like, once again, we're a family and we're going to go through things. We're going to, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, if we can look at each other and we can have a conversation across the table, face to face about how we feel, how we, you know, what's going on and all, you know, all this stuff, communication. So we keep working on ourselves individually. We keep trying. My wife goes to therapy. I go to therapy. We meditate. We do all these things uh, because it's hard, man. It's hard, especially being a public figure. Uh, everything you say is scrutinized. Everything you do wear is scrutinized. And it's not easy, but, you know, day to day. I had Charlemagne the God on. I had Ada Rodriguez on, and we talked about therapy. Why is that important for you and your family? And is that something you encourage others to also do? I do. Um, I, I think I, I grew up just like most black men in the inner city therapy is it's a bad stigma on therapy it's a weakness on therapy mm -hmm. and for me i don't i don't you know i think therapy is at your own pace i think some people need to go five days a week some people need to go once a week like it's different mm -hmm. therapy is a is a lifelong partner for you it's something mm -hmm. that you can always go to to have an outlet to get a, a, a unbiased opinion and perspective you know, and so I remember my first time going to therapy once I retired because I thought to myself, any other time when I had rage or I had frustration or I had fear, anger, whatever, I could take it out on a basketball court. Mm -hmm. I have I don't have that outlet anymore. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take it out on the ones closest to me. And that's my loved ones. So let me go sit on someone's couch and talk about it. And I remember walking in thinking I had nothing to really say. And two hours later, I was like, and when I was three years old, like, I, it, mm -hmm. it, you know, you need it, man. You need that outlet. Yeah. So it's important. You've been a terrific leader, a terrific role model. And I love the way that you're so very involved with your kids. Congratulations to Zaire. <laughs> he out here balling. I see the lefty number five doing work. Yeah, yeah, man. Talk about the growth in his game and how proud you are to see him doing his thing. Man, what I'm what I'm most proud of is it's if people gotta understand my, my son went he went to you know high school his senior year at Sierra Kane and he had a big injury that kept him out. He barely played. He went to Brewster uh last year was a pandemic, he barely played. He hasn't really played a high level of competition since his junior year. And he trusted in the process enough to go straight to the G League to play mm -hmm. with pros, bro, at 19 mm -hmm. years old. And without having a lot of experience in the last few years of playing at a high level because of injuries and, and, and pandemic. So I'm proud of him for doing what most people won't do. And that's taking a step, that's taking a leap to follow your dreams. Mm -hmm. And that's what he's doing, bro. So I'm just, I'm a proud father because of that. He is. And, and as you know, sometimes people miss opportunity because it's dressed in overalls. It looks like it's hard work. And being your son, people feel like, oh, he ain't willing to grind. So now all of a sudden he go down there, he in the G League, he doing his thing, he balling. The sky's the limit as long as he continues to do exactly what he's doing. So I'm happy for him. I just wanted to make sure I give him a shout. And also, it's been beautiful to watch. D-Way, it's been beautiful to watch. You and your wife, your unconditional love, you guys have shown to Zaya as she's gone through her journey with identity. Did you always see yourself being like the kind of family man and ambassador that you are now and just talk about just navigating those circumstances as a public figure? Yeah, I mean, I've, I think as a kid, I always dreamed about family. 
You know, I dreamed about getting my family out of the, you know, the poverty that we were in. I dreamed about mm. one day mm. having a big Thanksgiving and bringing all my mm. family together. Like I dreamed of all that. And I get and I get a chance to live that today. Um, and so I, I just once again, man, you know, at the end of the day, I feel like my the biggest reason I'm on this earth, one of my biggest purpose on this earth is to be a father. Um, and I feel that it, it's it's my most rewarding and it's the hardest <laughs> job that I have. And I'm trying my best to 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 treat each kid individually um, as they appear mm-hmm. and getting to know each of them um, and not giving this blue, this this one blanketed you know, way of doing something. And so uh, Zaya is Zaya. She's not Zaire. And I try to get to know Zaya where she is. And man, I'm loving I'm loving the, the young lady that I'm getting a chance to to be introduced to. So. Uh, I don't feel like I've done anything special. I feel like I've just done what is in the books for a parent to do. And that's mm-hmm. to sit back and listen and love and learn about your child, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I'm trying to do. And as the Christmas season approaches, I've gotten many opportunities to watch you ball on Christmas. Yeah, man. Can you tell me one of your favorite memories and one of your worst memories of playing basketball on Christmas day? Well, I didn't have a lot of bad memories. I think I ended my career (laughs) 10 and three on Christmas day. (laughs) I mean, you know, and the last two came at the end of my career, them losses. So I was 10 and one at one point. Um, So, but my favorite, well, my, my favorite Christmas moment is tough because like I played in the garden on Christmas. I played against Kobe like five times on Christmas. <laughs> so my, I guess my favorite one would have to be the first one, man, when Shaq and, and we went back to LA for that yes. first Christmas game. It, yes. ooh, well, that was a, yes. that, that energy in the building. Yes. Like Shaq dunked on Andrew Bynum. And I remember he was running mm. down saying, I built this, you know what I mean? Like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. That was my favorite one. And also, you're crushing it in the media on TNT. You got Wade Sellers Wines. Please familiarize us with Wayne Sellers Wines. <laughs> man, look, I'm, a, I'm out here, Jalen. I'm out here, man. <laughs> uh, I'm just I'm trying to do all the things that's um, that's just organic, man, and just mm-hmm. that's authentic and that's a part of my life. Like I, I want to work, and my work is living life, right? And that's mm-hmm. what Wade Sellers is. It's a part of my day to day. You know, last night, like I wasn't drinking Wade Sellers, but I was drinking a bottle of Petrus with my mm-hmm. guy. With my guy, shout out to Corey Gamble who bought <laughs> me a bottle of 1977 Petrus. This is a part of my lifestyle. And so yes. Wade Seller is Wade Sellers is a, is that it's a part of my lifestyle. It's Jeter, which I'm launching today, is a part of my lifestyle. Um, and so just having just being a, being able to to find the right brands, to find the right partners and individuals to be able to to take on this journey as a part of my lifestyle has been so cool, man. So I'm blessed, I'm lucky, and I'm just trying to put on and, and continue to show the the next generation what's what's possible for us. It's not a box that we can't you know, mm-hmm. step out of and become, you know, whoever and whatever we want to be. And also you soon to be best-selling author because you got a photo memoir coming out. Where can we pick it up? When is it coming out? Uh, well, my photographic memoir, Dwayne, I'm very proud of it. Uh, it came out November 16th. 
Um, you can find it, obviously, you know, everywhere. It's in bookstores, local bookstores. Um, you can go, you know, obviously on Amazon. You can go to all the places and find it. Um, it's something that I'm proud of because Jalen and you are a part of this, um, as well as Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and the Bulls. But Jalen Rose, Jimmy, Ray, Jawan, Chris Weber, y'all were images for young Thank black you, kids. For real, man, y'all were images for us. Like y'all were touchable. Y'all were like y'all were people who we thought we could be like. And so this book is the same thing. It's an image um, for a young kid to be able to look at someone that grew up like them, that looked like them, that talked like them and, and see what's possible. You know what I mean? And so I just wanted to become an image, man. So like, I thank you for being an image for a young black man thank like you, myself. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. And before I let you get out of here, I have a rapid fire segment called Gone in 60 Seconds. You ready to do this? I'm ready to do this. Now, you and I both take chances with our fashion. Look back at your journey. Tell me the fashion fail that you remember. <laughs> uh, the, I had a Versace uh, floral bomber with a with a floral shirt under. That was a that was a bad moment. It was at the press conference. It didn't look right. <laughs> I failed on that one. <laughs> What's your go-to wine in the Wade Sellers collection? Uh, my go-to wine is my 2019 Oakville Cabernet. If you haven't tasted, what are you doing in life? Mm. <laughs> That's my sales pitch. <laughs> no question. You're in Miami for one night. What's the restaurant you need to hit up? Ooh. One night only? One night only. You know, most people can't do Miami more than two or three nights anyway. It's like Vegas. That's why it's named after you. You was able to conquer it. <laughs> Man, one night only. That's a tough one. If my go-to, I would immediately back in the day, I would just say Prime 112 because Prime 112 is the energy. Mm -hmm. But like now as I'm a little older, it changes a little bit. So mm -hmm. I got to think about that one, man. I don't know. That's a good one right That's there. That's a good one right there, man. There you good go. Man. Oh, man. Wait. Uh, right now, you know what? It's been Komodo. It's been Komodo. Mm. It's been Komodo. The energy and the vibe gives me enough to feel like I went out. I've mm -hmm. seen enough. Man, my mm -hmm. wife, we cool. We had some drinks. And let's go. <laughs> <laughs> what's a, what's a never What's a never seen photo that people are going to see in your memoir? That even was surprising to you. Oh, surprising? Yeah, when you start looking back at all of those pictures, you're like, oh man, look at my haircut. Or look at those <laughs> shoes. Or look at like a picture. You like, oh man, this picture's worth a thousand words. Well, I, I don't know. I I I I, per I mean I we personally picked all of them, so I think all of them are worth a thousand words. Um, but it's two pictures in there that most that has stuck out to a lot of people. And uh, one of them is the, the picture and the photo of the apartment that I grew up in on 59th and, and Prairie. And the other one is my final game versus LeBron at the uh, Staples Center. And my wife is standing up behind us and she's like, mm. she's screaming. <laughs> and they're like, what is your wife saying? And so those two pictures are the ones that everyone like, you know, those are the ones that stick out uh, that I feel like are cool stories and cool, cool photos. Well, I appreciate the love, continued success. I'll definitely see you in the Western Conference playoffs because your jazz will be there. 
and hopefully they're in the NBA Finals. Thank you for joining me, Flash. Appreciate the love. Man, listen, man, I have to say one more thing to you, Jay. Uh, all the stuff that we all get credit for as, as athletes, um, the work that we do is great, but some, some people don't do the real work. And you're doing the real work. The Jalen Rose bro. Leadership Academy, bro, that is life-changing. That is, I tip my hat to you. Thank I know you, that you don't do it for attention or publicity, but you know what you're doing in in in, that, in your city, you know, for charter schools, bro. Thank you, brother. Hats off. Respect. Appreciate the love. Absolutely. You ever in Detroit, I'd love to give you a tour and introduce you to the staff and the students. Man, much love for sure. Much love. Thank you. Last call. Last call. I'd like to thank my brother, Hall of Famer, Dwayne Wade, for stopping by. I've always been impressed with D. Wade more than just playing basketball. I always consider him a renaissance man and a young legend. And what he's been able to do has been remarkable. And for him to recognize what I'm doing, it warmed my heart to hear because the feeling is so very mutual. And as I mentioned, it's the holiday season. And as you're celebrating Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, the New Year, and so on, make sure to be present with your family and friends. Stop scrolling. It's okay to put down the phone. Throw up your, you know this one, out of office email reply <laughs> and really take advantage of your surroundings and be grateful eat drink and be merry there are enough people out there who would love to be in your shoes to be in my shoes to be in our shoes I want to thank you as the year ends for your support of this program and for rocking with me this year. Renaissance Man has become one of the top shows in the game, and I'm forever grateful this holiday season for YOU and for people like Dwayne Wade, Gabrielle Union, who take pride in giving positive energy to the world. Stay safe, get your booster shot, and enjoy yourselves. I'm the Renaissance Man. See you next week.